You're listening to Passioners Podcast with Norbert Pustai. It's all about meaning, mission, and passion. More and more people, maybe they are in the IT or shared service centers, realize that they have good job, respected, they can go on vacation and they have everything. It seems like a perfect life, but something is missing. A small voice say, it's not enough. But they don't know what to do. They often want wrong things. Either they, they stay at the job or they are getting burned out or they leave and they becoming an entrepreneur without a clear idea of what to do. And there are many other stories. Today I'm going to share a possible solution through a personal story. Hi everyone. Hi Harry. My guest, Harry, is the best Irish speech coach in Budapest. Hi, everyone. Yes, that's absolutely true. I am the only Irish speech coach in Budapest, and therefore the top one. And who is your brother? It's a bit like my brother, who for years was the top salsa teacher in Belfast. The only one. Okay, so what is your, um, besides this, this Irish uh, uh, humor, we started the, this conversation, what is your story? Well, it's relevant to the problem we're talking about today, which is what do you do if you're stuck, usually in your 30s, in a great job with good money and plenty of options? And I came to this problem uh, about 15 years ago when I was working in Berlin. Now, my story is that I started off, I was born in Ireland, I grew up on a small farm, and... I went to college, I studied IT in Belfast. It was a very good course and I managed to get a job at a great IT company in London, long gone now, called Logica. And as a result of that job in London, I got assigned to Berlin. This was in about 1995. Now, for me, this was like a small country boy in the most sophisticated international city and the most exciting place in the world at that time, because Berlin, Germany had just been reunified, and Berlin had been reunified, and the energy and the activity in Berlin was incredible at that time. Everything was new. People were euphoric as a result of reunification, and Berlin for me was like a, kind of an exotic paradise compared to where I came from. So I spent about three years there, and I had a similar experience to what we're talking about today. So I hope I can help you explore this problem and help people listening to see what they can do to get through it, because I had the same experience. You told me that in London you work for that company that they had uh, like 2,000 software developers, so one of the biggest companies in, in the market in, in the UK. Uh, so you had a perfect job, perfect life. Why, why did you move to uh, Berlin? As you say, th this, um, this company in London, we were, had an amazing technical ability. Everybody recruited for the company was outgoing, they were they had personalities and they they had amazing technical backgrounds so it was very we we could achieve whatever we wanted and london at the time this was the early to mid 90s it had just come out of uh, the 80s where everything had changed and it was an interesting time um, we had come through a recession in 91 and by 95 the opportunity to work in, in berlin came up and uh, it was kind of an unknown quantity, but I knew I had visited there on an interrail trip the year before I went, and I'd got a taste for it. 
and it was unlike anywhere I'd ever been before. So I was intrigued by it. I had some friends who lived there, and it just seemed like the logical next step after London. And I thought I would only be there for maybe six months or a year when I, I went there first of all. It turned out to be longer. But I think I was young, relatively young, and about 30, and I thought, what the hell? If I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And I don't, earlier in my life, I'd traveled to Southeast Asia for three months, so I had the travel bug. And I knew that if you don't do something now, you're never going to do it. There is no time like the present. And I think traveling abroad and working for a company abroad is probably the easiest way to see a city. And to live in a city for a period is the best way to get to know it. So I couldn't see the downside of going there for six months or a year. And that's why I, I jumped at the chance. So you got bored of the city or, or why did you leave that company? I don't think anyone could ever get bored of Berlin, to be honest. I mean, the classic saying is that uh, from Dr. Johnson, when a man is tired of London, he's tired of life. I think in Berlin it would be when a man is tired of Berlin, he's tired of nightlife. Because, I mean, especially at that time, the top techno clubs in the world were in Berlin, Ewerk and Trezor. Everybody had an energy that had been unleashed. All the Germans were suddenly experiencing freedom for the first time. Berlin was full of people who opened bars and basements and cafes and derelict buildings. You could stay out every night until, until dawn, basically. And yet it was very civilized and, you know, it was a safe city. You could go anywhere in it. So I don't think you could ever exhaust the possibilities in Berlin. And even now, 20 years later, it's just going from strength to strength. I think my story is more to do with the time of life that I was at and basically getting to a point where I was in a, the best city in the world, had a great job. I was able to travel every weekend to any other cities, Prague, Budapest. That was the first time I came to Budapest. So I had everything I ever wanted in terms of a career and leisure and eating out, all those kind of things that you think you want in your 20s. But in the back of my mind, a voice started to say, what's next? Is this it? Because after you have been to every city in Europe for the weekend, after you stayed out in Ewerk all night, after you've eaten in every restaurant in the city, what's next? Is that, is that all there is? So that's where I came to, and that's what we'd like to talk more about today. Did you have a similar experience to this? You know, I, I, I used to work for a big bank, and um, that was an interesting experience. You mentioned your life in Berlin, a really vibrant environment, and I had the same. Uh, we had fancy dinners, and I, I loved my job. But, um, you know, when the crisis came, um, the things started to become less shiny than before, and I had more time to think about my life. And I had to realize, and even, even those times when, when I, I, I had these uh, fancy dinners and, and the business went really well, I, I had to ask myself. But when the things didn't go as well as, as before, I had more time to ask myself, am I at the right place? Am I doing the, the thing what I should uh, be doing? And uh, uh, a whole new process started. So I couldn't answer the, the questions right away. So sometimes it came uh, months later, and I sometimes I had to I had to find someone who helps me to to deliver this question or or challenge me because because 
I could feel maybe just uh, something not right and, and I couldn't even ask, uh, couldn't even find out what's, what's the problem. So I needed to have uh, maybe a career coach or, or a mentor or a friend, a, a relative, someone who is really like... Um, not just someone who who wants to lead my life where he wants to be but really can focus on me on my problem and can can really help me because it often even happened that you ask your parents what should i do and uh for your mom, the the safe environment is important. So she will say that you should stay in your safe environment. Or the person, say an entrepreneur, uh, you should give up your job and become an entrepreneur. So I think it's really important to, to look a bit inside and also uh, knowing yourself that what is the message for you from this and what is something that you should uh, avoid to, to uh, implement. What was the process in your case? Well, I made a lot of mistakes because back in 1999 or so, the internet was just starting. We had email. I mean, I worked in IT, so we had access to every day at work. But I like to think about things in terms of three-year cycles and how I got to the point where I... I started to make a change was after three years in, in Berlin, I, I eventually stayed on for another few years. I think anything you do, like a new job, uh, a new city, a new relationship even, the first year, that's a three-year cycle in my book. The first year, it's intoxicating because everything is new. The second year is probably the best year because you're starting to get to know it and you're starting to but it's, there's still things to discover. You're really settling in. But by the end of the third year, you know everything. And you've kind of got to the point where you decide, you have to really decide what to do because you realize by the end of the third year that the downsides as well. And nowhere is perfect. Nowhere is perfect at all. So you have to decide whether to move on or, or stay. And back, in, this is where I had got to in 99. So... The project was ending, and I had to decide what to do. And it wasn't like things are now, where you have coaches coming out of every ad on Facebook. You have blogs advising you on the top 10 tips to change your career and how to find your passion and all this kind of thing. There was nothing back then. There was one book, I think it's a very famous one, it's called How to Find Your Parachute. That was the only thing I was aware of back then. And that was reissued once a year. So, and you had to go through, it seemed like a lot of uh, work to me. So I did what any self-respecting, well-paid IT person does when they have a crisis. I took time off. <laughs> About, I came to Budapest because I knew it. That's a so-called sabbatical? So-called sabbatical. Okay, I'm using the term loosely here. <laughs> So I came to Budapest, I bought an apartment in the city centre and I spent uh, a year renovating it. I actually didn't do the work, of course I paid someone to do it, but to everyone at least I had uh, a purpose and I started reading as widely as I could. And around about that time I came across a column in a local paper, it's the Budapest Business Journal. And it really struck me. It's by a guy who I still follow, but he was the first opening I had into a world above the technical, a world at a higher, looking at the world through a higher level. And his name was Jeffrey Gittimer. And he's wrote, written, he's like a sales guru. But suddenly I started reading somebody who was talking about people and how, why people buy things and how you can actually connect with them. And it really spoke to something that I couldn't articulate when I was in IT, because I worked for a very technical company, and these issues, everything was focused on how great technically we are. Nothing was about the customer. And he was the opening in his small column in a weekly paper in Budapest that gave me the opening into that 
a different world where I could look at things from a person's point of view, not from a tactical point of view. So that was the start, basically. And after a couple of years in Budapest, I started to explore this, but I couldn't really get a handle on it. So I took a job in London again, went back to IT and worked for another few years for a bank. But always in the back of my mind thinking, there must be something more, and I just have to find out how to find out, who, who can tell me about it, but I couldn't find anyone. So you had continuously this question in your mind, and what helped you to, to find the answer? Well, it is amazing. That single article changed uh, my whole point of view. It opened it up, and it is, life can turn on a sixpence. It can be a chance remark. It can be somebody giving you feedback somebody telling you something about yourself that you didn't realize. So I think it was that I just kept going at it, perseverance, because I don't think you can turn around, but you need to keep moving. You need to start moving in the other direction. And after working for another three years in London, this was by about 2006, I still had the quest in mind, but I hadn't found any way of moving forward. So that's why I turned again to the time-tested solution of going on another trip. And that time, I spent another six, I went on another six-month trip to Asia, where I visited Vietnam, Cambodia, and the other cities that are now part of the standard backpacker uh, dream. They had just opened up then. When I came back from that, I was looking around for a way to find what would be at the time, I thought, I have to find out the secret of business. Because that, that's what Jeffrey Gittimer had awoken in me. Now I knew what the person, what people were looking for and how to help people achieve something. I wanted to understand how the companies that I had worked for really operated, what made them successful. Because I had been a programmer for many years, and when I looked up at the managers and leaders above me, I always used to think, what they, they must know some secret. They must have a special insider knowledge to be able to run these companies. I want to find that out. I now know why people buy. I want to find out how these people sell. Well, how do these people run these companies so that they're successful? So I got the opportunity to work for a small property company in Ireland and uh, that's the next part of my story. What was the next part of your story? What, after you found this inspiration, what, how did you, what was your next step after that? Well, so that was a big change after working uh, in IT, uh, in your case, and it seems like a, a logical and, and conscious decision, but in my case, it was more like a personal crisis and, and, and crisis that um, lots of bad things happened and, and at the same time, I, and it pushed me to, 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 to go deeper and, and analyze myself deeper. Uh, what, is the, what is my mission? What is my vision? What's the purpose of my life? And, and um, it was also like um, a lot of time spending alone and think about my life. And also, uh, I also read books. And, and uh, even it's a, a book about meaning, um, when, you, when you read um, about those stories that people who survived a difficult situation in the World War or... or um, um, they had an accident and then they found out what is their purpose in life. Uh, in many ways I get inspiration, but there is no like a, a one, one secret. I think if, if I can tell something concrete, it's about the seeking. If you don't give up seeking uh, and, and you don't give up questioning yourself, if you know that something is missing and just, and just going and, and trying to find out and uh, often you can get inspiration from outside, but it's also important to look inside yourself. And this is what led to me to find my, my mission or vision and, and my, my, my message in life. 
Yeah, I, I can certainly agree with that. And I, I, I can think for your listeners today, that I think that's our message to them, that they don't have to take as long as we did. What we're trying to do today is to boil it down for them and give them a few steps that they can take now to shorten the journey for them. Because in 2006, when I came back from Asia on my, my trip there, I didn't have the resources again uh, that, that we, we do now. So I took this job with a small property company in Ireland. This was the, the time of the property boom. And I somehow managed to get a job where I was responsible for writing the business plans. In this property company, there were a lot of smaller businesses in the company. And I had the job of writing business plans for each of these smaller portfolio businesses. So the first thing I did was went to my local library and I got every book I could get on how to write a business plan. This was my training. So the first thing all of them said was, right, okay, you need three things in the first page of a business plan. Number one, you need a vision for the company. Number two, you need a strategy to achieve that vision. And then number three, you need a plan. There's the actual steps you're going to take to achieve that vision. So, okay, I did my template in Word, got my flip chart, a number of different colored pens, and started talking to the directors of all these companies and started creating business plans for each of these companies. And these guys in these companies were very, very good at what they did. These were building companies, uh, retail companies, estate agents. They knew their business exactly. They were excellent at their jobs. But as soon as we started talking about vision, strategy, and plan, it was very difficult for them to articulate exactly what these were. They knew how to do it, but they could, it was very difficult to articulate it. And I found that I actually, number one, had the patience to persevere with them, to draw it out of them. I think it came from the IT background, all those times in meetings in, in London struggling to, with problems until you get the solution. And especially when I had a formula like vision, strategy, and plan, I didn't want to give up until I had something on paper. So it really forced me, and I think I forced them a little bit. I wouldn't let them out of the room until we had something on the board. And even if it wasn't perfect, we got something down. And that seemed to help everybody to actually express what it was that they, they were doing, but they couldn't really articulate before. So that was my first experience of having to express something in terms that weren't just what you do, but why you do it and who you are actually doing it for. So this was a revelation for me. And uh, suddenly I thought, hey, now I finally understand business. I understand what people think about at this level, at the management level, at the business level. Now I can go out and find out about businesses. So I started talking to business leaders. Every time I met somebody who ran a business, I said, who's your business for? What problem are you solving for them? What's your vision? What's your strategy? And what's your plan? And the single biggest surprise that I got was that the answer to all these questions was, what? What are you talking about? I don't know. What are these terms? And it was a real revelation to me. Most people, even though their business is incredibly successful, can't really articulate what it is they do or why it is successful. Even the most successful companies. And this was a, a total shock to me. And I, it, it really knocked me back for a while, actually. I thought, am I wrong? Am I just talking about theory? Is it just me projecting my formula onto people? Is it, is it just, should I just throw it out of the window and go on gut feeling and just, you know, accept 
that that's the way life is. But then uh, I said, no, I, it's possible for the two to coexist. That was what I rationalized it again. And this is true of life in general. A lot of people are successful in life without thinking about it. But people like me and perhaps your listeners as well, they're IT people. They need a structure. We need something we can hang our brains on, that we can think about things, that we can break them down. And I think personally that people who can do that have a big advantage because if you can break things down into certain bits, it's possible to control, to work with them, to change a little bit, to do your testing, to see what, what works. If you make a change to the strategy, if you make a change to the vision and it doesn't work, you know, well, that didn't work. But if you make a change and it does work, you know why it worked and you can do more of it. Most people in businesses that I've talked to, they're not sure why it's working and therefore they can't do more of it because they don't have any way of analyzing it and knowing what it is that's working. I mean, they might repaint the front of the building, for example. Why? What color do you choose? If you don't know why people are coming in in the first place, it doesn't matter what color. I mean, life's easier, but I would say that it's less interesting. So I think for your listeners, what the thing I've, I've really found is that by understanding how business breaks down, it allows you to take responsibility for it. And if you know what's happening, you don't have to say to yourself, oh, it just works. You can actually own it. And to me, that's the only way of progressing. And I think I, for your listeners as well, that's why I think they would enjoy that, that way of working too. You were talking about organization, and of course this can uh, be the same uh, for individuals. So if you take responsibility after your own life and you find your, your vision and, and mission, um, that can be uh, a, a very important guidance in your life. What was the next step in your career? Well, after I had this revelation and my... <laughs> subsequent disappointment uh, that no one seemed to share it uh, and finally taking responsibility and deciding to go with it, I had to figure out how to take action. I decided that this is for me. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to start a business based on these principles and put them to the test, basically. That's the only way to prove that it works. So I went back to Budapest where I, where I had an apartment so I could uh, stay there. And it, Budapest is a unique city in Europe, I think. It's got all the infrastructure that you need to start a business. It's in the center of Europe, geographically located, and it's affordable. So you can experiment with different things. I mean, there's a downside to that. There, you, you can actually experiment for too long and not actually have the, input, the, the push to actually make your experiments work. But on the other hand, in London, you really can't afford for an experiment not to work. So I think it's a unique place in Europe, and it still is for if you want to, especially if you didn't have any experience like me, if you're a total newbie to business and you're just experimenting. So I asked myself, what skills do I need to put this into practice? And I looked around and following up what Jeffrey Gittimer had talked about sales, I quickly discovered people like Seth Godin, Derek Halpern, all these early adopters on the internet who were, and they, what they all were saying was, you need to understand marketing. For, in order to create a business, you've got to identify someone who has a problem and promise to fix it, figure out a solution to someone's problem. And very quickly after that, after doing a couple of marketing courses, I realized that in order to attract customers, I need to be able to talk to them in person. It's not enough to be able to write, I need to be able to speak. And the, after looking around, there's only one organization in the world that will teach you how to speak. And that is 
Um, it it starts with T. The the Toastmasters, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's Toastmasters International, the public speaking organization. Correct. And eight years after I joined, it still is. It's the only place that you can regularly go and develop your skills. Because I quickly realized that there are a lot of courses promising to teach you public speaking. But public speaking is not like learning a formula in one day and then suddenly you're a guru. It's like doing one tennis lesson and expecting to be playing at Wimbledon next week. It's a process. It's a commitment to learning and always getting better. So that's what I started on. I learned marketing and I learned public speaking. And I'm still working on it. And that's part of the reason I'm here doing this podcast as well. And that's what I recommend to your listeners. Learn marketing because that's, that's really the core. That's how you create a business. There's no point in starting a business if you're not solving a problem. And once you find a problem that you can fix, you need to communicate with the people who have the problem and propose a solution. And that is speaking. And that is Toastmasters. And what about you, Norby? So in my case, my, my, my main topic, my main message was about the, the, the job, the work you do. So um, having this uh, main message that we should all do work, what we love to do. And then by the time it was getting clearer, my, my vision and my mission and, and this whole message. And um, I found people who had and who have similar purpose, similar message. Uh, famous or less famous people, but they achieved something, and I know that uh, I can get there. Of course, uh, my message is a bit different, but they have the similar stuff, what they do. And, um, you know, I just try to analyze that how do they do that, which skill do they use. So even it's in my case, it was uh, the practical side, working in HR, helping people uh, in the profession or in other ways, um, working as a coach, um, helping them also in the career or delivering workshops or speeches, so many ways. And uh, But the main message that uh, I developed to inspire people to find meaning, mission and passion, this, this, this gave, gave me a, a, a framework. And, and it's really not that important that you are an entrepreneur or, or an employee of a company because both you can mix and you can use different skills to fulfill your mission, your, your vision, your, your whole message, this topic that attracts you and, and attracts others. And, and often it's based on your own experience that you love to do something related to that topic or, or you suffered something from this. So a guy had an accident and now he's helping also others in the way that he was helped by, by his family and he built a non-profit organization based on his own experience and I think that's really powerful and that's give you credibility in your whole story and your whole business in your whole organization what do you think about that? yeah it's uh, th there's no way other than by doing it to actually and by making a mistakes and pushing it forward and to put your credibility on the line, basically, it comes down to taking responsibility for it. Because the thing that's holding most people back, and probably your, your listeners, is that, and this is the way I, I thought for a long time, it's my job that's holding me back. It's my boss. They're not giving me the opportunities that I need. I'm not getting paid. If only I could paid more money, my life would be better. But... Actually, there's a, I've got a story about a, from a friend of mine uh, that illustrates this point. He did a, a round-the-world yacht race on, on Volvo, and he came back after being away for a year and gave a presentation about, about the race with a number of photographs. I mean, it's an amazing race. You travel around the world on a racing yacht for a year in the Arctic, in the Car Caribbean, everywhere, so you've got nightmares 
and also, you know, nightmare storms, but you also in Antigua, in the Caribbean, in paradise. So he gave the presentation and afterwards the presentation, a woman came up to him and said, I would love to do that. It's my dream to go around the world on a yacht and race. But unfortunately, I've got a job and you know it's a nice job and I can't afford to take a year off work. I'll lose my salary. Um, I might not get my job back if I come back. She had all this list of reasons why she couldn't follow, she couldn't take time off. So my friend said to her, well, you know, you don't have to go for a year. You can go for a month. You maybe even go for three weeks. It's not going to take any extra holiday. Pick the nicest part of the trip. Pick the Caribbean leg of the trip and join that. It won't even cost you a lot of money to do it because you're only going for such a short time. So you can keep your job, you can go on your trip, and you can achieve your dream. But what did she say? I, she said, I couldn't do that. Because really, she actually didn't want to go on the, on the journey. Well, she, actually, she thought she wanted to go on the journey. But really, she was more comfortable staying at work and thinking that she was being prevented from going on the journey by the circumstances beyond her control, by her job, by her commitments and all this kind of thing. And I think a lot of people feel this, and perhaps some of your listeners do. And it's really about asking yourself a really tough question, which is, what do you really want to do? And I think today what we're trying to answer is, it isn't actually necessary to leave your job and to give up your career in order to get what you want. It is possible to have the two. It's possible to reconcile the two. And you have a story as well about someone else who didn't leave their job and was able to achieve their dreams. You mentioned them as we talked before this podcast. Could you tell us that story again? Yeah, so with your example, it, it, it seems that for her it was not that important, so she didn't go on that vacation. But um, it can happen that, that, that something is important to a person, but she, she, in that case, she, she wanted to become a trainer, a coach, but as an entrepreneur... Uh, she thought first she thought that an entrepreneur she can work as a full-time coach and a trainer so she should leave the company but then she realized after weeks so just to clarify this is a person who was working in a company had a good job in a in an IT company in a banking company she had a she was in her mid-30s she had a career but she was unhappy she was the same situation we're talking about and she thought perhaps that she had to leave to become an entrepreneur to, because that's what she'd seen on TV and that's what everybody was talking about. Yeah, so that, just to clarify that for the listeners. Yeah, she, so, you know, we were, actually it was a, a, a group coaching uh, session series that uh, she was in. And um, First, she thought that she should be uh, an entrepreneur, but it turned out that, yes, she has a safe job at a big bank, and um, even though she didn't like her position, she enjoyed being the benefits of working at the big bank, uh, traveling all around the world, and uh, having nice dinners and so on, which I think it's, it's uh, so understandable that she didn't want to take the risk to become an entrepreneur. And um, she, three uh, few months later, the solution arrived that she got a trainer job at the bank. So she became an in-house trainer. So she has training inside the bank. So she shouldn't give up her job, her safe job, well-paid job, well-paid position. Uh, she, she, she changed the position but the same company and she's like 
extremely happy now with with that new position the the trainer uh, job so if you really want something you can always find the right solution and and this is what i'm saying that uh, sometimes it's not the most important things that if you see that these uh, mark zuckerberg and and the famous entrepreneurs that you should you should do the same way because it's just the format if you're an entrepreneur or or a um, employee do what you want and and do in that um in that framework which is uh, more comfortable for you or it's uh, based on your own personality yeah that's that's my lesson as well i mean i gave up my life in it and but if i look back on it uh, maybe i should have stayed in it and tried to uh, expand my role in, in a company to do the things I wanted to do. But I am where I am and I have to take responsibility for that. And if I take responsibility for it, I can change it. So overall, I've since 2010, I've started about three businesses and I'm still in the process of starting more. And one of the things I've learned to accept is that I think this is the hardest thing as well for most people is the uncertainty and the fact that even if I think I have a solution, not everyone wants it. This is why you've got to learn marketing. You may have an idea that's going to change the world, but the most important thing is that there will always be only be a certain few people who want it and most people won't. And I think this is the hardest thing for most people to accept the rejection that they get from most people to their ideas. Like I have a very IT nerdy understanding of business down to super fine details, which most turns the vast majority of people off. But those aren't my customers. I'm looking for people who have an equally nerdy in interest in their business, who want to get down to the, the details, who enjoy talking about things at that level of detail. And they are the matches for my product. So that's what you have to be comfortable with. You're not for everyone. And that's the only way you can go forward. And then you've got to go out and find those people. And they will be your customers. So with your business and with your activities, you, you could mix uh, uh, different passions and, and your main, main topic, that marketing and, and the public speaking. And, and by learning marketing, you mean... Um, it's not a goal or not a vision to become a millionaire. The, 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 the first step is to find out what is the problem and then you find the solution and this is how you can serve others. It's really uh, that simple. If you want to put uh, a CEO on the spot or somebody who owns a business, all you have to do is ask this simple question. What problem does your business solve? And see how many people are, are lost for words. The person who can answer you is someone who really understands their business. Thank you, uh, Henry. Do you want to um, um, summarize the main takeaways of our today conversation? Or should I do that? Well, let's share it. Okay. I think what we're saying is if you're in a situation where you're feeling you're getting to the point where you may be burnt out, the first step in moving forward or finding a way forward is to take responsibility for your situation. Because until you take responsibility, you'll be blaming it on your boss, on your parents, on your wife, your husband, your kids, everything external to you. And if you decide to do that, there will always be someone else to take the blame. So step one, take responsibility, and then you can start to move forward. Can I hand it over to you for step two? Yes, thank you. Um, so if you already know that um, um, who is responsible for your life, it's not your boss, it's not your, your parents, it's you, um, 
you should find something that attracts you. It's uh, even it's a topic. It's it's your. You should find your own vision, mission. Uh, uh, go explore it. So so even even if you have a, if you have a comfortable life or or it seems like everything going well at work, you should you should ask yourself. You should go deeper. That why I'm successful. Why I'm doing it. Why I'm why I'm doing uh, the whole thing uh, well. Why it's work well. So, and if you can't really find out, you can you can find uh, help. Um, you should think about what is the best uh, uh, help for you because uh, during this conversation we were talking about. Uh, books, uh, people who can inspire you, uh, helpers like career coach or marketing guru. So you you have so many so many uh, different ways to find um, help, and it's really up to you uh, which one you choose. So you have so many options, and if you know where you go and 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 why, then you have the next step. Yeah, just to. Uh, include in those things that you should explore, I would recommend the core should be study marketing. And when I say study marketing, I don't mean go on a three-year degree course. Just start following Seth Godin's blog. Or any, and if you search for Seth Godin, you'll find all the rest of the people in that universe. Marketing is the key skill for the 21st century because that will help you identify the problem that you can fix. So moving on to the third point, start taking action. Now that you know what areas you're good at, say in IT you discover that you're good at public speaking or you're good at pottery making or some calligraphy like Steve Jobs did when he was at university. He, the famous story of how he went to a calligraphy class and that led to the fonts on the original Macintosh which led to the success of the first Macintosh. The third point is take action. Start doing small things. Start speaking in person at work. Start putting yourself forward for conferences. If at Toastmasters, take part in competitions, in contests. Get yourself in front of people. Start articulating your vision. Start describing the problem that you find in the second step. And what will happen when you do this, you'll start to attract people who have the problem. And you were telling me earlier, this happened to you, Norby. Yeah. Just getting back to this uh, marketing thing that, um, and, and this is like a, a closing uh, uh, part that, even we had this conversation before the podcast, you, you helped me a lot with, with your questions. And uh, if you are going deeper in, in marketing and if you, find, if you have a clearer picture about that, um, who do you want to help and, and who do you want to, um, uh, how do you want to find the solution and, and uh, writing down and, and knowing and, and it gives you a, um, a focus. So... In my case, um, I think I, I explained uh, uh, who I want to help and uh, which group, and and of course, it's based on my story. Okay. Well, I was thinking about how you spoke about when you started to speak about something. You had you found you had followers. You started getting people asking you to speak. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, this this story is because um, so if you realize what is your main mission, your main main topic that that uh, your your message to the world, um, it happened like last year. I had many invitations for meetups to talk, and it's not because I just uh, wanted to use my public speaking course and and. Um, Having having some nice feedback from people, it's because they knew I communicated what was my purpose, and this is why they contacted me. That hey, please come and and give a speech, and um, I think that's 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 one of the the main thing to have 
that that uh, message and 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 communicate it and then people will find you and that's that it has power yeah i could give an example i mean i was at a toastmasters meeting recently when somebody quoted back to me something i said in a speech two years ago and it was a basic mark piece of marketing advice that when you quote statistics in marketing when you're in a speech don't just say 50%, give the exact number, 51.4%. It's much more credible because it, in the mind of the listener, it means, oh, if you're that specific, it's likely to be the actual true number. And this is something that if you're a marketer, after a while, you think everybody knows it. But this is the key thing for your listeners. Not everybody knows everything about everything. A lot of inf obvious information it's actually very few people that know it. I mean, think about it. You're in IT. If you're, one, if you're listening and you're in IT, to the vast majority of the population, what you do is black magic. Most people have no idea what goes on in a computer. But in your circle of friends, you think everybody understands IT. And there's a, a great need for people to be educated in all this stuff. I mean, we need more IT people in the world to, to deliver the AI and future benefits that it promises. So even if you learn something really simple, there are people who need your information. And it's only when you put yourself out there and say it in a public place and people can hear you that they will give you the feedback that lets you know what a difference you've made in their lives. And something small can make a big difference. And that's where the real satisfaction comes from. I agree. And um, I think that was, a, that was a great summary. So I, I wouldn't add anything because we, we already touched so many topics and, and questions. And uh, what I like to ask for the, uh, from the listeners that... Um, just give us feedback if you if you have anything in your mind or if you have any question just uh reach out uh through our uh social media uh channels uh passioners channels and um you can also ask uh questions from Henry and I will forward it uh, we can have uh another podcast so i really thank you very much uh Henry uh for being here and and sharing your own story and your thoughts and and it was also a big lesson for me. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.